0: The U.S. uh, General Services Administration, called the GSA, of course, has informed President-elect Joe Biden that the current administration is now ready to begin the formal transition of power process. That's according to media reports. In a letter obtained by CNN on Monday, GSA Administrator Emily Murphy said she was, quote, never directly or indirectly pressured by any executive branch official, including those who work in the White House or the GSA, with regard to the substance of timing of my decision, end quote. She, of course, was the one that is holding up this whole process. Uh, Traditionally, what happens is this uh, particular office, the GSA, uh, is supposed to uh, facilitate the transition from one administration to another. Uh, But she kept saying right up until this letter yesterday that uh, we we don't have a winner yet. We uh, we don't have, uh, apparently, they don't. Get the numbers. They don't get the news there. Anyway, uh, shed some light on this. uh, Mike Grassier reports and gives us some of the details. After weeks of roadblocks set up by President Donald Trump, the way has been cleared for cooperation with President elect Joe Biden's team on the transition. General Services Administration Chief Emily Murphy has determined Biden to be the apparent winner of the election based on Trump's failure to overturn any results, including Michigan, where Biden's victory was certified Monday. In a letter to Biden, Murphy wrote in part, Please know that. I came to my decision independently based on the law and available facts. Shortly thereafter, the president tweeted that in the best interest of the country, he is recommending that the GSA go forward with initial transition protocols, and he's instructed his team to do the same. Mike Gracia, Washington. Well, we'll see. Uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Will there be full cooperation? That's only one of many questions being asked. Uh, to uh Join us to talk about this uh, good uh, friend, Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University, joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show. Elliot, is uh, this the beginning of the end of the, uh, the national nightmare that's been going on since the election night?
1: Uh, good morning, Bill. And the question is, will this election ever be over?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: we've just had an inflection point in the process, an official inflection point of the declaration from the GSA that there is an apparent winner, she never used the term president-elect, No, <laughs> Joe Biden. So uh, the new press is saying she's still being very cautious in how she says things uh, not to anger Trump. But, yes, this is a very important step. Finally, uh, the process can begin of uh, assuming that the election is not overturned, and Donald Trump has said this is not a concession speech. I'm just being, in, in a sense, patriotic here. Uh, so he's saying, no, uh, it might still be overturned. But uh, this, is, this is indeed a milestone along the path to saying that election 2020 is over.
0: All right. As important as this is, though, Elliot, I think the, the the bigger story here and the bigger revelation is that Rudy Giuliani yesterday submitted that he might have been exaggerating a little bit with some of his accusations about corruption in the election. Just a little bit, though. I, I, I that's that's the greater admission, as far as I'm concerned. So I, I'm going to extrapolate from that that maybe Cesar Chavez was not involved in this this great big con- <laughs> this contrast. I think we, that's a good takeaway, isn't it?
1: Well, I think. Uh Looking more narrowly at the issue, is <laughs> what is he saying in public compared to what he's willing to put in writing before a judge? And they're quite different things, because if he makes allegations uh, that are, are demonstrably false before a judge, he could be in legal trouble. So none of these charges of corruption have ever gone before a court in that form. They've, they're much more narrow and technical, and the repeated loss of uh, case after case, including in Pennsylvania... Uh, really is what tipped this. So uh, you and I have talked about this. Uh, Donald Trump had a path to victory by more than one way. You know, he could win it outright or he could get it into the courts. And to get it into the courts, there had to be a basis for it. But all the various avenues that he had have been disappearing one by one. And the term certification comes in because I think what tipped this one is uh, for... uh, for the GSA was to say, you know, (laughs) we're obligated to do this, but we haven't been doing it anyway, is that state after state, Michigan, uh, Georgia is about to come in, I think, or has come in, Pennsylvania is about to. So state after state has now certified that the electoral college votes are going to go to Joe Biden, closing off an avenue, therefore, uh, to overturn this, either by getting it into the courts or by having state legislatures set up their own electoral uh, alternative, electoral college uh, voters. One by one, those avenues were closed to the point where now the GSA has faced the inevitable.
0: Yeah, but even the Michigan situation, Elliot, uh, you know, as much as, you know, biden had a, a pretty you know comfortable lead and, and and won that state uh that was up in the air right up until yesterday i mean you know trump actually tried to court uh, you know uh, curry favor with some of the michigan legislatures had them over to the white house this past weekend uh to try to say nudge, nudge, you guys can overturn this sort of thing and the vote was rather odd on this there were four people as i think they were telling us two democrats and two republicans that had to certify this uh and it was a three to, to well, not, nothing vote, because one of the Republicans abstained. actually abstained. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously he still wasn't going to be on side with this, but it could have been ugly had they yes. had a deadlock there.
1: And I guess that's one of the messages, that of the various nightmare scenarios where this could have gotten even worse, even worse, is that violence has not broken out, militias have not been engaged, yeah. and that Republicans, Republicans, in state after state, starting... For example, with Georgia or uh, the state legislature in Pennsylvania, or this the, the what you just pointed out to in Michigan, uh, those Republicans have said no we 're going to actually do the the job that we 're supposed to do we 're not going to uh, we 're not going to take people 's votes away from them who have uh, voted legitimacy legitimately under our rules so lower level republicans um, lower-level meaning the, in t- jurisdictionally, <laughs> have, uh, have not uh, taken the lowest possible route and, and further followed up this election.
0: Well, and that's one of the things I think we need to emphasize here is that uh, when we talk about the "quote-unquote" Republican response, uh, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz do not represent the Republican Party per se. I mean, they're they're the vocal you know outreach of this, but uh, other Republicans, as you for instance, the Secretary of State of Georgia, uh, other members of, of other legislatures who are Republican. As a matter of fact, the, the judge that uh, issued that that incredible war, uh, mm-hmm. decision Pennsylvania. about Pennsylvania is a Republican. Uh, Apparently, rock ribbed. Cons- yeah, a rock solid conservative, uh, and they've lambasted the president for this. Uh, is this an indicator, though, that maybe some of the other ones, the, the you know the the sycophants, the the McConnells, and that sort, of will come around to this? Well,
1: Let's put it uh, differently in terms of the news of the day, which is that this milestone or this inflection point has been reached, and it was reached uh, independently according to Emily Murphy, but it was also reached. I I think um, when the White House was getting the messages that it needed to receive, that the Republicans were going to stop backing him uh, at senior levels. So that uh, we have the situation of not only the state levels that we're talking about, but various senators were starting to breach this. So the New York Times uh, insider report says that the chief of staff to the to the president and his legal team, uh, personal and otherwise, have said, "Look, you've got to do this." Um, and I suspect, and this uh, has not been brought out, but I suspect very much that Mitch McConnell played a role here because Lamar Alexander, the senator from Louisiana, is very close to Mitch McConnell. And I think what may have tipped this is that Mitch McConnell was now sending the signal, Mr. President, I'm not going to back you on this. You're going to have to back down on this. Uh, we, have a, we have the two seats in Georgia we have to protect, and in 2022 we've got a majority, his majority in the Senate, to protect So so I think that uh, not only the 100 CEOs of business leaders who signed a petition or the over 100 security professionals under Republican presidents who publicly signed a petition saying this transition has to go ahead. You're endangering the country if you don't. I suspect that a message from Mitch McConnell might have had something to do with uh, the change of heart, both by Emily Murphy and also by the president, And we have to emphasize one thing that I don't think has gotten a sufficient emphasis. Uh, The purpose of this transition, official handover, is to see that there is a smooth functioning of democracy. And a lot of of attention correctly has been focused on the fact that the Biden people have been frozen out of briefings on the coronavirus. And also the security, the daily uh, security briefings that the president gets and that that would leave them in the dark And they have to really... These are the crises facing America right now. And, of course, the economic data that goes with that. But also beyond that, and this is uh, something that uh, you opened up with it very accurately, Bill. It's not only the top level, but the transition allows uh, bridging teams. It allows access to all the departments of government to begin a smooth handover. Remember, this is... (laughs) this is a gigantic government uh... there's a fascinating book by the michael lewis uh, called the The fifth risk he's you know he wrote Moneyball Mm -hmm. and et cetera Uh, he said look i've taken a look at what happened the obama administration had had a very smooth transfer from the bush people and they really appreciated it and they they prepared detailed briefing books in every department saying okay the day the election is over, when the transition is really called, we're waiting for the Republicans—that is, the Trump people—to show up, and we will t- tell them what they need. They had binders, many binders, are prepared, and the Trump people never showed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that the the uh, the phrase is, you know, a bungled a bungled uh, transition becomes a bungled presidency. So, a lot of the dysfunction we may have seen. There's the need for the Biden people. The incoming administration to deal all across the government of the U.S., and now with this announcement, that can happen.
0: Chris Christie was in charge of the transition for the Trump guy after the last election, the former New, Year, New Jersey governor, uh, who's now become a critic, actually, over the last couple of weeks. But Christie actually made the admission, he said, because he he did this in good faith, you know, for the transition. Uh And he said, we have over 30 binders of information, he says, that we delivered to Trump Tower. And he said, they ended up in a dumpster. And, and basically, he said, we don't care, we're not going to do any of that. Uh, so, the, you know, it, it tells you when a transition goes wrong. But there's so much more, Elliot. And I'm glad you brought up about, the obviously, the COVID strategy. But on a daily basis, we're finding out some more things about national security that should scare the hell out of Americans. Uh, there's the Afghanistan troop withdrawal that just about everybody in the Joint Chiefs of Staff is opposed to, but Trump's go- going through with this. Yesterday we found out, uh, and Rachel Maddow actually broke this story, that there's a, a, apparently a treaty between Russia, the United States, and some other European nations to basically uh, reconnaissance airplanes can fly over oh, uh, with aerial photographs and, and say what's going on, what's not going on, troop movements, missile sites, etc. Trump has not only pulled out of that, he's destroyed the planes that do it. Uh, so basically, everybody's got a free hand to do it. That's that's pretty scary stuff. Yes, the, this, the
1: Open Skies Treaty yeah. uh, is one of several, the INF, are dealing with missiles. And coming up, I mean, this is something I keep, when you and I chat, uh, I emphasize is that the nuclear architecture that really protects us from Annihilating ourselves off the face of the planet. Uh, those have been weakened one after the other, and there's something called the New Start coming in, uh, which is coming up for February for renewal. It's kind of the last remaining major part of the architecture that keeps us safe. And, uh, now we have every reason to believe that career professionals and very experienced, uh, people at the cabinet level are going to be in charge of looking after such things as as national security at that level.
0: Uh, Very quickly, we've got a few minutes left. I know we're going to have a lot more time to talk about this in in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, Notwithstanding the fact that, uh, you know, the Trump administration were dragging their heels on this transition, uh, the Biden team was moving forward uh, and and having meetings even with, you know, not getting the confidential documents, but meeting with retired folks in in those departments. And he's already started to name some folks uh, for cabinet. Some of these are going to have to go through, uh, you know, proceedings, of course, of the Congress and the Senate. Uh, But some interesting stuff, uh, Tony Blinken, who's been involved in, in Secretary of State, he will be uh, the nominee for Secretary of State. Uh, Janet Yellen, as Treasury Secretary, is an outstanding uh, choice, I think, for that particular post, and some others, uh, uh, John Kerry, the uh, the former nominee, of course, and former Senator and former Secretary of State himself, is going to be almost like an environmental consultant and guru. Uh, there's some pretty talented people that uh, that are going to be around that Cabinet table.
1: Yes, there's, but here goes back to our earlier conversation in Mitch McConnell, uh the balance of power in the senate is still very much up in the air depending yep. on the two special elections january fourth in georgia if mitch mcconnell remains the majority leader and he's obstructionist a thousand over a thousand twelve hundred of the uh... appointments by the incoming administration have to be approved by formally approved by the senate and until this transition was approved the preliminary vetting security background checks couldn't begin, but uh, we have the possibility that the cabinet, almost the entire cabinet has to be approved by the Senate. How many of these could end up not being approved? Uh, it's likely that uh, Elizabeth Warren's name may not even go forward, and she was angling for some jobs there. So, yes, the point of all this is that we are a long way from being um, sure that the government of the United States is going to be comfortably in the hands of career professionals after confirmation by a Senate uh, that is about fifty fifty split and could be under republican control and obstructionism so we 'll have to see how all this plays out in the in the times to come, but you named a lot of several of the key people yes these are these are career professionals uh, they they have deep experience America can kind of relax that competency is returning a smoothly you know boring. Uh, government is is about to uh, to land in America, but it's also a very constrained president because not only the Senate is imbalanced, but the House is very very close to being you know, reachable by Republicans in the next midterm. It's going to come down to a handful of seats. The state legislatures, which were going to flip, uh, didn't get flipped. So we have a situation where we have a beleaguered president coming in. Uh, who's now finally being given access to the info he needs. He's got a really uh, talented team around him, no question about it. But how much he can do abroad, and particularly with the sitting president, who's still in power till January 20th, doing everything possible to make life difficult for the incoming administration at home and abroad. You, you mentioned um, the Afghan drawdown. It was also in Iraq as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's limited room of, for maneuver uh, even once Joe Biden takes office, assuming, of course, that he does.
0: I, I, yeah, and the other element to this, too, as we've discussed uh, over the last four or five years, uh, the president has much more leeway uh, when it comes to foreign policy than they do with domestic, and uh, because that's where the Congress and the Senate come into play. With foreign policy, he has more of a free hand, as we've seen. Uh, but it's it's hard to, to, to govern over policy when the guy before you has already scorched the earth with the, some of the moves that he's made. So it's going to be very challenging time. And the world for won't the...
1: stand still. January 3rd is the exactly. anniversary of uh, Trump's uh, assassination of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard General, uh, will Iran do something to provoke a reaction? So we, the world is, is, is not going to sit still and wait while everybody holds their breath, whether Elizabeth Murphy, Murphy will uh, say the transition can go ahead. Uh, we, we will have
0: to monitor this closely. It is. It's a very, very troubling time, very tense time. Uh, Elliot, always uh, thanks so much for this. Great to get your perspective. I know we'll talk about lots more coming up in the days ahead. Anytime, Bill. Take care. Elliot Tepper, of course, from uh, Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.